Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran. Good morning. Welcome to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you today. So today in the program, I am going to talk about fasting. Yes, indeed. Uh, part of the journey of the past month involved me uh, interviewing a fellow named Brendan Case who shared about a 40-day water fast and that got me stirred up and it ended up having me end up doing not ended up it didn't end up being 40 uh, days but it was a 21-day water fast yes and I want to tell you about it today on the program hey this is Dr. Tom Curran the host of Sound Insight but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out, drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to the program. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, we love you, and we thank you, and we praise you for the gift of our lives, the gift of our faith. Lord, we ask for blessings today of insight and wisdom. I pray, Lord, that you give me the grace to share well, to share with humility, with honesty, and with hilarity. Lord, give me the grace to share in all of those ways, um, to share with humility, with honesty, and with hilarity, and ask St. Philip Neri to pray for me. We make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Why St. Philip Neri? Well, it was in his writings that I encountered those three virtues that they uh, can often be linked together. Humilitas, honestas, and hilaritas. Humilitas is praiseworthy self-abasement. That is, you can lower yourself in a way that elevates God. You can lower yourself in a way that's praiseworthy, not in a way that tears yourself down, but in a way that points to God. Today I'm going to talk about fasting. I'm going to talk about fasting in a way that was humbling. I was attempting to lower myself before the Lord, but in a way that was also praiseworthy. It wasn't, I'm bad, food is bad, eating is bad, and therefore I should fast because I don't deserve to eat. No, that wasn't what fasting meant to me. So I do want to share with humility uh, and a bit of humiliation, the experience of, of fasting, but also with honestas. The way honestas is not just being honest, not just like telling the truth, but it has to do with being transparent. It has to be with standing up in the light. You see, if you're going to lower yourself, the Lord will lift you up. And if the Lord is lifting you up, he's lifting you up in a way that you become seen, you become visible. And the, the virtue of honestas is about living a life that's not hidden, living a life that is out in the open. It's something Carrie and I talk about. I, it's something I learned from my spiritual director, Father Mark Noonan the importance of honesty in the spiritual life, the importance of honesty in married life. I've said to Carrie, uh, you know, we've been married 29 years now, I said to her, I said that for a man, the danger spot is, this, is the part of his life that he wants to hide. 
The danger spot in a man's life is that part of his life that he wants to hide. He wants to hide it from others. He wants to hide it from his wife. He wants to hide it from friends. And it, it, I'm not always saying that the part that's, that's hidden is some kind of heinous, dark evil, something criminal or disgusting. But it, it's a part that is often holding someone back. It could just be a, a, a tragic waste of time, a, a, an unnoble, ennoble waste of life energy, right? It, it can be a, just a, 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 a real sad waste of resources. So when you think about, you know, that, so Honestas is about living out in the open, it's about not, not, not having a part of your life hidden. And then the last is, is hilaritas. Hilaritas, don't take yourself too seriously. And so in fasting, I'm going to be sharing with you things that I, I don't mean to approach it in a way that's somber, in a way that is uh, overly uh, uh, sort of heavy. No, I don't mean it like that at all. In fact, I, what I want to share with you is the, is the incredible gift that fasting, uh, that the Lord gave me in fasting. And so the reflections I'm going to share are very much rooted in that, in that spirit of striving to express humbly, honestly, and hilarity in a way that's not taking myself too seriously, uh, the insights that I gained uh, around the world of fasting. So at the beginning, again, this all came because I was interviewing Brendan Case, who was coming to the Spokane area to lead a retreat at the Immaculate Heart Retreat Center. And when I launched into the interview over Zoom, I saw him. He looked like he had lost weight. Come to find out, he had lost 110 pounds. And he did so because of this launching pad of a 40-day water fast, which sounds like out there, like not just a little out there, not even a lot out there, but way over the edge out there. And for him, it was this call from God. It was this graced call from God that also involves some human wisdom regarding, hey, if you're going to do a water fast, you need to have electrolytes and you need to you know, be under the, the guidance of a doctor to the extent that you can, all of those sorts of things, right? So it's both a blend of, there's a call from God, but also a need to be wise at a human level. And so for him, the, the key, and this is what, what ended up happening was, I said, how did you do it? And he said the key was having a missionary purpose, a missionary purpose to the fasting, that it wasn't only about him losing weight to get healthy, but it was about preferring to sacrifice the good of eating for the sake of a spiritual uh, good of mission accomplishment of fasting for someone who was sick with cancer. And so he had ga gathered photos of people that he was fasting for. And so I took that as a cue, and I, and I prayed for him to impart. I prayed for an impartation, a share, that the grace that the Lord had given him would be handed on to me. And so he prayed for me and for anybody else that wanted to, to enter into that. And so sure enough, I, two days later, I started in. And I had set as a goal a 40-day water fast. And I only made it 21 days. Uh, I only made it 21 days. And, and the reason why I stopped at day 21 was that around day 15, I flew to Boston to take care of my dad 
who is in hospice at home and requires 24-7 care. And it, my, my, my siblings who had been doing just so much of the heavy lifting were saying, please, can you come out and help? And the, the flight to Boston plus the, the demands of the hours that I was there just wore me down enough where I had to pay attention. I had to pay attention to my body and realize that, you know, to reverence the body God had given me, to, to reverence the, the Lord and to be respect the limits of the body they had given to me, that when I was going to be getting on an airplane and flying back to Seattle, uh, back to Spokane, it was going to be another, you know, essentially 12 hours. And I just said, I, I don't think I can do it. And so I saw, I got off of the fast in, in the proper way in terms of like taking berries and a banana and, um, you know, little bits of food that would be easy to digest and all of that. And, um, and so, um, so, but the 21 days was so incredible in terms of the, the fruits, the insights that I gained about fasting that I want to share them with you. Um, so I'm going to share a bit of the theology of fasting that I gained. I also want to share some of the surprising fruits of fasting that, that came to me and um, sort of what, where does it sort of go from there? Um, I, so I, I gained um, an awful lot along the way, um, sort of physiological insights, um, spiritual insights, uh, the surprising fruits of fasting, and um, relational insights um, uh, that are all connected to fasting. Well, and just to begin, like what is fasting? I, I came up with 15 different meanings of fasting. Did you hear that? 15 different meanings that, uh, that I found and experienced in the course of these, these 21 days. And I journaled extensively uh, as well. So I'll, I'll share with you different strands and, and streams of this, but uh, just to dive in and say, I, I share this in a, an attempt that's humble, honest, and, and hilarious <laughs> to foster in you a willingness to fast, uh, to fast in accord with your age and stage of life, your, your medical situation, as well as your personal situation. So not asking you to do anything that is going to put your health at risk, so not talking about that, but I am going to say to you that what I experienced in, in doing this one was beyond anything I could have known had I not done it. That's, that's really a key. And, and I've known that about fasting and I've shared that before. Fasting is one of those, uh, one of those aspects of the life of faith that you don't get it until you've done it. You don't get it until you experience it. You really don't. You can read about it. You might understand the words, but you won't understand the inside of it until you do it. So just to put that out there, I still want to share with you the insights that, that I gained in the hopes that this might spur you on or encourage you to properly, in accord with your state in life, uh, to incorporate more fasting. Okay, so 15 different meanings of fasting. Uh, the first is fasting is an expression of penitence. Penitence. Penitence is what? A sense of contrition, a sense of sorrow and even disgust for sin, and the resolution to not sin again. 
one of the ways that that shows up in the scriptures is a, the penitent one fasts. So you think of uh, Jonah preaching to the Ninevites. And what happens? The king, he, he calls upon the entire city to fast. And so they fast in dust and ashes. So they are expressing their sorrow, their, their contrition over their sins. So that's a meaning of fasting. You can fast. You can give up food for a day. You can give up a meal. You can, uh, you know, fast in accord with the, the, the sort of contemporary insight of one, one meal and two partial meals that don't add up to a, a normal meal. You, you might even want to extend a little bit beyond that in terms of the rigor of what you're doing as an expression of sorrow, contrition for your sins. The second meaning, fasting is an expression not only of penitence, but of penance. Penance, a fasting as an expression of, of expiation or satisfaction. So fasting as an expression of penance connects into the idea that Jesus died for our sins. Jesus is the, if you will, the perfect, um, uh, the perfect one who offered perfect penance for our sins. He was the one who has satisfied all justice, but he asks us to join him in that work. And and for me, this is one that it uh, I I sense that the Lord is drawing attention to a great loss in our in the past hundred years uh, in, in, and that is the loss of a sense of penance um, in the the life of Catholics and, and maybe it's really since the Second Vatican Council, probably though I think it's probably before that and and I say that because of Our Lady of Fatima, the message of Our Lady of Fatima with the angel that preceded the the apparitions was crying out, penance, penance, penance. And how the Blessed Mother gives a vision of hell to uh, the three visionaries and see the souls falling like snowflakes into hell. And what's the, the message? That these poor sinners are falling like snowflakes into hell because there are none to pray and do penance for them, to bring about satisfaction and the expiation of their sins Again, not replacing the work of Christ, but standing with Christ in that work of expiation to rescue poor sinners. And you see it in the lives of uh, uh, Jacinta and Francisco, who engage in significant penances after having seen these, these apparitions, these visions. And they have this incredible motivation to do penance and, and one of the principal ways they're doing penance is fasting. And so fasting can be a way that we join in this great work of literally really rescuing souls, helping bring about the expiation of our own sins, but also the sins of others. So that's something that it seems to me that we need to recover in our Catholic tradition. And the Lord is even sending his mother, the Blessed Mother, to speak this message. And it's not only in in Fatima, but clearly Fatima is one of the most famous recent apparitions that have called for fasting as an expression of penance 
uh, that the church is being called back to. Uh, Third, uh, fasting is a furnace of detachment. Fasting as a means of purification and mortification. And so definitely that's something that I experienced in the course of uh, these uh, 21 days that I did not realize how powerful the that furnace of purification uh, really is through fasting, how it brings about like, a, a, an amazing degree of detachment. In, in, in what? Well, I'll tell you in a minute. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Hey, welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. I'm talking about fasting today. I'm sharing with you some reflections based on this uh, recent 21-day water fast that I did. And uh, in this idea of the, this idea of a furnace of detachment, I like that. That's a great phrase, a furnace of detachment and how purifying it is, and and mortification, right? Mortification is the way of identifying penance as an act of bringing uh, about the death, right? The death of the desires of the flesh. If you take a look at St. John of the Cross and the Ascent of Mount Carmel, um, and in The Dark Night of the Soul, the first book, he talks all about the way in which the appetites at the sense level the, the five senses have these poles, these desires, these appetites that, um, that cloud, diminish, and even block the awareness of God, God's presence, and of spiritual growth, and a serious effort of mortification, a serious effort of purification of these senses uh, is in order if we are going to grow in the spiritual life. And one of the principal means of accomplishing this in, in, in putting our senses through a furnace of detachment that will mortify the senses and purify them so that we're not attached to created goods or to sinful goods is fasting. And so fasting is a way of, of helping us advance in the spiritual life precisely because of its power of detachment. Where did I see this happen? Well, I mentioned that I was on a water fast. Well, guess what involves water? Uh, coffee. So I did allow myself coffee at the beginning of the fast. Well, it only took a few days. It took about three or four days in. And all of a sudden, I discovered that I needed less coffee. And the way that I found out was very troubling. <laughs> I had a cup of coffee at dinner time. Maybe it was just after dinner, and I couldn't sleep that night. I, I was tossing and turning uh, until like the very, very early hours of the morning, and just a terrible time trying to fall asleep. And I realized, hey, wait a minute, 
this caffeine is affecting me way more now that I'm not eating than before when I would have routinely cups of coffee throughout the day and into the evening and have you know no effect on me at all in terms of keeping me up at night. And so as the, as the days wore on, I found myself going down to one cup of coffee and then even half a cup of coffee from, you know, six, at least six cups of coffee during the day and, and, and even into the evening. And by the end, I was just having a half a cup of coffee in the morning and that was it. And I didn't need any other coffee or tea during the day at all. It was really something. I had become detached and had put to death this, you know, fleshly need, this bodily dependence on caffeine. So striking. Again, that's something that it would have been hard for me to imagine before the fast. So a weapon, a fasting is a furnace of detachment. It, it purifies and mortifies the, the desires and the senses, the desires of the flesh and the, and the senses at the sense level that hold us back from spiritual growth. So number four, fasting is a weapon of the powerless. Fasting is a weapon of the powerless. This is in the scriptures. It's something that I had learned years and years ago, but I had come to recognize the uh, the way in which the scriptures show in many occasions that those who are powerless, those who are facing overwhelming odds, often with regards to the enemy coming and attacking them, and they are essentially helpless, powerless before the might of the enemy that's in front of them, except for God. God plus the powerless is going to win when the powerless rely on God, look to God, cry out to God with holy or praiseworthy desperation. And so scriptures are full of these examples of holy or praiseworthy desperation, where we have nothing but you, O oh God, and so we look to you and approach you from the point of our powerlessness. And fasting is a way of expressing one's powerlessness. I found that there is a book in the scriptures that incredibly maps out the types of challenges that we're facing today. And in the midst of this book, in the many stories told in this book of the leaders of God's people facing these situations of enormous odds where they're vastly outnumbered and at a purely human way of calculating, they have no chance of winning, but continue to come out on top because they approach this situation with holy desperation, with praiseworthy desperation. You know what the book is? Second Maccabees. I'm serious. You take a look at Second Maccabees. You just read through it. I know it's a bit of a long book, and, and it's referencing names of kings and places that you don't know what they are, but if you pay attention to the leaders of God's people in this book, from Onias the high priest in, in chapter 3 down to um, 
the uh, the Maccabees uh, and their different the different leaders in the Maccabee family that step up, they are constantly facing these situations and constantly take up the position of the powerless. And the Lord moves with great power and wins again and again and again. And so fasting as a weapon of the powerless is one of those associated ways that those who are desperate and cry out before the Lord express that sense of desperation is fasting. Because in fasting, what are you doing? You're saying, I've got no food. I've got, I've got no source of strength here. I need you, God. So fasting as a weapon of the powerless. Uh, number five. One, two, three, four, five. Fasting is a means of pursuing Christ and of preparing for an encounter with Christ. Fasting is a means of pursuing Christ and of preparing for an encounter with Christ. So I, you know, how I found this happening in, in my life was that a very interesting happen, thing happened in my, in my day-to-day life when I was on this water fast. And that was, guess what? I needed less sleep. I needed less sleep. And so routinely, routinely, I would wake up after about five hours of sleep, maybe six hours. But I would be waking up at 3.30 and 4 in the morning, and maybe on sleeping in, would wake up at 5. <laughs> and I would just be up for hours. It was so fascinating. I'd wake up and I'm just like, kind of like, okay, I got to just roll over and go back to sleep, which I would do if I would wake up in the middle of the night and uh, before the fast. But in the midst of the fast, I'd, I'd be up and I'd just get up, I'd pray quietly. And then all of a sudden take out my journal and I'd, I'd write and reflect. I'd take out the scriptures, I'd read and I'd pray and, and then I'd reflect some more. And before you knew it, I had a couple of hours of quiet prayer in. Did you hear that quiet prayer? It wasn't rushed. And by the way, I wasn't like hungry and thinking, when am I going to get something to eat? Uh, it, which is, by the way, another really fascinating thing. I, I stopped being hungry. It's kind of weird. But I wasn't like, oh, I'm dying. I'm just so hungry. I'm dying. No, after, I don't know, five days, I just didn't get hungry. It's really, really interesting. Now, I was drinking, again, this um, water with electrolytes that had sodium and magnesium, and it had uh, calcium, and it had, what was the other one? Um, The other one that was recommended, sodium, magnesium, calcium, and potassium, right? So this, this sort of electrolyte water that was ionized, and purified and, and all this. Um, so I was taking in the minerals that I, my body needed to be able to, um, you know, not hurt myself, right? Okay, but, but here's the thing. I gained back so much time and, and found that I was able to be quiet, to be silent. And so it became an incredible way of pursuing Christ, Fasting, it cleared space in my life to pursue the Lord. 
and to prepare for an encounter with God. These are, by the way, these are not things I'm making up. These are things that are in our tradition, in the scriptures and in our tradition, fasting as a means for disposing oneself for deeper prayer, preparing for an encounter with the Lord. And I really did. I, it, it, that was without question one of the great benefits that came from this, this time of fasting. Okay, uh, number seven, two, four, six, seven. Uh, fasting is a means of gaining enlightenment, gaining insight, overcoming blindness. So fasting is a means of gaining enlightenment or gaining insight or overcoming blindness. Well, in terms of gaining enlightenment, one of the things that happened for sure, and, and hopefully this is just an example, you know, I have down these 15 meanings of fasting. I couldn't have written that before. Maybe I could have pieced together you know, a number of these things if I said, what is fasting? And tried to write it down. But this just flowed. This flowed so quickly and easily and smoothly from the process of, of the, as a fruit of the actual act of fasting itself. Um, gain, meaning gain, I got insight into fasting, but I also gained insight into silence. I gained insight into prayer. I gained insight into uh, the, 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 the realm of the smartphone and parenting the digital generation. These new insights came because fasting cleared the way. It removed the blockages. Fasting opened up a horizon where I was able to enter in more fully and, and gain more light into these crucial issues. So it, um, it was really uh, overcoming blindness for sure. For sure. Uh, this was uh, a great way to um, be able to, um, to experience a, a new sense of self-knowledge, knowing myself. So another, that's another beautiful meaning of fasting. Again, why am I sharing all of this? I'm sharing this to encourage you to take up fasting as a spiritual discipline that you can implement into your life more regularly than just on a first Friday or on Fridays not eating meat or, uh, well, that's just something we do during Lent. No, fasting is this discipline for our time. It's one of the most needed spiritual disciplines of, of our time to be recovered, especially by men, but also by all people of faith, if we're going to overcome the challenges that are holding back so many of us. I talked about one of the biggest ones yesterday, which is the digital world, otherwise known as the internet, otherwise known as that which is accessed by smartphones and other screens. And so that digital world is polluting polluting our minds and our hearts and keeping us uh, you know, confused or even spiritually blind. Fasting, fasting helps set you free from that. All right, continuing on. Uh, number eight, fasting is a means of expressing communion with Christ. It's not just preparing for an encounter with Christ, but fasting is a means of expressing communion with Christ. Well, how? 
Well, Christ fasted. Jesus Christ fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. He ate nothing. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say he probably drank water. right? So water was probably the only thing he survived on. And fasting is a means of expressing communion with Christ. Well, you're with him in the desert. You can, in your mind and in your heart, in your intention, come before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm praying for this grace to fast on water alone. I want to walk with you into the desert. Please, will you welcome me with you into the desert where you fasted for 40 days and 40 nights? Please, I want to have a share in, a communion with you in that experience. And I did. I did it in a way that was honestly a bit shocking to me. Again, it it came in the form of an insight into the first temptation that Jesus experienced. What was the first temptation? It was at the end of the 40 days, he was hungry. Jesus turned these stones into bread. Turned these stones into bread. And what did Jesus say back? Not on bread alone is man to live, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Not alone, not on bread alone is man to live, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And I experienced that. I experienced that in a way that I had never known before. There was a typical way that I'd heard it preached about and, and was what I experienced, but there was a whole new way of understanding it now. What am I talking about? Well, I'll tell you after the break on Sound Insight. Hey, welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Kern. Today on the program, I'm talking about 15 different ways of understanding fasting so that you might be encouraged, you might be motivated to embrace more fasting in your spiritual life. I think there are very few of the folks who are listening to me who are probably struggling because they're fasting too much. That is not our problem. Not there could be one or other of you that, that that is an issue, and okay, let's acknowledge that. But I'm talking to the rest of you, and I'm, I'm looking in the mirror as I say this. I'm part of the rest of you, that we just don't fast enough. And as a result, we are spiritually weaker than we ought to be. And we are missing out on insight and clarity, and frankly, on walking with the Lord, communing with the Lord in his time in the desert. So just before the break, I brought up that example of the scripture where Jesus says, in response to the temptation of the devil to turn stones into bread, not on bread alone is man to live, but in every word that comes from the mouth of God. Well, guess what I was doing more of when I was um, fasting on water alone? I was reading the scriptures. And you know what I found? This is the, like, the aha moment was when I would be up early and be able to quietly read the scriptures, taking God's word, and have quiet time communing with the Lord in prayer, and go to Mass. And in going to Mass, I did receive Holy Communion. So strictly speaking, I was on a water fast, drank a little bit of coffee every day, and received Communion. Every day, I think, except one uh, of those 21 days, uh, I received communion. So that was my sustenance. And you know what I found? Here's, here's the thing that was so blew me away, was that on days when I was able to have quiet time 
and feed on scripture. Not only was I nourished spiritually, and that's what I had always taken it before, was if I'm not fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of my body through fasting, then I'm going to allow the hunger for the spirit of the spirit to emerge into my awareness. I'll become more conscious of spiritual hunger and I'll feed on God's word and experience a spiritual fulfillment. But in fasting, I learned there was more to it than that. That when I was feeding on God's word in silence and going to mass and receiving Holy Communion, my body felt refreshed. My body felt energized. It wasn't just that I was like, oh, I'm in a weakened condition because I'm just drinking water and and so I have got to really slow it down. No, when I when I was engaged in, in these spiritual disciplines, I was able to be energetic and and had verve and vitality. But when I didn't, when I, especially when I was caring for my dad over those days and um, would, even if I got up at 3.30, he might be up and then I'm up and then he falls back asleep and, and okay, now I'm trying to like reflect a bit and then he wakes back up again and it's like, okay. So I did not have the peaceful times of prayer during those five days that I did when I was at home in an environment that I could have more control. And one of the results was, it was harder. I didn't feel that sense of refreshment in those days where I wasn't uh, praying quietly. I did still make it to Mass, but even Mass was a bit more distracted. And I found that I was not feeling that spiritual vitality, bodily vitality. But there was almost a reversion back to this sort of raw human effort to fast. And it was the hard, these were the hardest days. The very hardest days were the days where <clears throat> this form of rigorous fasting was not also encompassed by a good chunk of quiet prayer. So that's just a a means of this idea of expressing communion with Christ. Okay, let's continue on. Fasting is also a means of expressing solidarity with others. So I'm going over 15 different understandings of fasting, and I'm on number eight right now. Fasting is a means of expressing solidarity with others. Simply put, there are more than a billion people who are going to go to bed tonight hungry. Right? I don't have all this, the exact up-to-date statistics, but I remember even just years ago, that was, the, that, was the, that was the number that was identified. About a billion people on planet Earth would go to bed hungry when I would never go to bed hungry. Right? Only by accident would I go to bed hungry, not by necessity, not by lacking an option. So when you fast as a way of expressing solidarity with others, what you're saying is, I know you don't have access to the food. Well, I won't access food. And I won't access food on your behalf, in your place, and for your sake. I'm going to be in solidarity with you. I will not access this food. So that is a very powerful, powerful motivator. 
Kind of like when I, I mentioned that Brendan, he had these pictures of people that he was praying for and fasting for. Well, I did the same thing. And on my phone, I had my notes. And before the notes, I had about seven pictures of different people and situations that I was fasting for. And I was fasting to be in uh, solidarity with one or two of these folks who were not having the opportunity to eat what they wanted. But because of their sickened condition, struggled to eat, or struggled to eat foods that they wanted and instead were limited to foods that they had to have. So I can be in solidarity with them through my fasting. And I did. But fasting is also a means of intercession and of petition. That's the ninth and the tenth meaning. So fasting as a means of intercession is a way of saying, you know, Lord, I am coming before you on behalf of others. And Lord, I'm coming before you and I'm asking, would you please provide them with a blessing? Would you please answer the cry of their heart and the cry of my heart for them? Well, one of the really powerful scriptural scenes of this idea of intercession, of going before the Lord on behalf of others, and how fasting opens a source of spiritual power for mission accomplishment, is the famous story of after the ascension, I'm sorry, after the... um, After the transfiguration, Peter, James, and John come down the mountain and they encounter the man whose boy is throwing himself into fire and water and is possessed by a demon and the apostles can't cast out the demon and Jesus does. And the answer is, why couldn't we do it? Because these only come out through prayer and fasting. So fasting is a a tool in the arsenal of ministering. And in this instance, I'm using ministering in the broader meaning of interceding, going before the Lord on behalf of someone else, calling for spiritual graces or spiritual power to be brought to bear in someone's life. And so fasting can increase the spiritual impact of your, um, of your intercessory prayers. You're praying for your kids. Don't just pray for them. Fast for them. And so I had a lot of pictures of people who I was interceding for. Fasting is a means of petition. So that means you're praying for yourself. You want to see spiritual breakthrough in your own life. You want gifts and graces to be poured into your life. Don't just pray, but also fast. So fasting as a means of petition, you think of the importunate widow, the widow who goes to the unjust judge and pesters, pesters, pesters to have her case settled in her favor. And the judge, even if he's unjust, will side for her because he's afraid she's going to do her harm, him harm, if he doesn't. And so he, he does the right thing, even for an impure motive. But mission accomplished, Jesus is saying. Mission accomplished. Or the neighbor who knocks on the door at night and says, I have a friend who's come, I have no food. And he keeps knocking, even though the guy says, get out of here, I'm in bed. He's not going to stop knocking until his prayer, his petition is answered. And so fasting is a means of petition. 
Oftentimes, uh, von Balthasar has an insight into this, that in our intercessory and petitionary prayers, we often are held back from achieving or coming into uh, even greater graces because we hold back, we give up, we stop, we stop short, and we end up missing out on graces that were available if only we continued to press in. Fasting is a means of pressing in further, deeper, to open up even greater blessings. When we come back, I'm going to talk about the last five meanings of fasting. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Kern. I'm talking about 15 different meanings uh, or ways of answering the question, what is fasting? Fasting is an expression of penitence. Fasting is an expression of penance. Fasting is a furnace of detachment. Fasting is a weapon of the powerless. Fasting is a means of pursuing Christ, preparing for an encounter with Christ. Fasting is a means of gaining enlightenment and insight and overcoming blindness. Fasting is a means of expressing communion with Christ. Fasting is a means of expressing solidarity with others. Fasting is a means of intercession. Fasting is a means of petition. Let's continue on now. Fasting is a means of spiritual training or asceticism. And so if we're going to take up certain disciplines in our spiritual life, fasting is one of those core disciplines. It will strengthen us to grow in holiness. It will strengthen us in virtue. Fasting is not to be left on the sidelines or minimized in terms of the power and importance that they have Uh, that fasting has in helping us to grow spiritually. So you want to go work out, you go to the gym, you pick up some barbells, and you're going to use them wisely, and you're going to get stronger faster than if you're just at home, and you don't have access to those more professional uh, tools of those that are more fully engaged. That's fasting. Fasting is the most important barbell in the gym. Okay, next Fasting is a means of sharing in Christ's redeeming work. It's a way of fulfilling Christ's redeeming work. And that has to do with the idea that John Paul II says in his uh, papal letter on the meaning of human suffering, on the Christian meaning of human suffering. And he says that we share in the redemptive work of Christ, bringing about the redemption that Christ has won, not only by the people that we are, not only by that the words we speak and the things that we do, but most of all, we bear fruit in bringing about Christ's redemptive work by what we suffer, by what we undergo. And fasting is definitely a means of undergoing some suffering, some dying to self, some denying self. And when we do that as a means of saying, Lord, not only do I want to grow uh, through spiritual training into the saint that you intend me to be, but I want to fulfill the God-given mission you have for me. And I'm not always going to be in a place where I can be toiling and laboring for the gospel, proclaiming the gospel, but I can be fasting. And I can be fasting specifically with that intention of mind that, Lord, please save souls, save poor sinners. Lord, please use this suf- uh, use the, the suffering of this fasting and the dedication of this fasting to your redeeming work. Lord, let it be a fruit. Okay, next. Fasting is God's gift. Fasting is done by God's grace. Sometimes through, like in my specific instance, impartation. 
by praying that someone who had uh, been given the gift of this extensive water fast, pray that, that I would get a share in that. Pray that I would be blessed by engaging in that too. And, and when I say it's, it's God's gift, it's done by God's grace, there's also a call of the moment associated with that. There's also that idea of discernment, like pay attention. Right? There's a grace being offered to you. And when that grace is gone, it's gone. And you might have to be sticking around a while for another grace like that to come by. And so sharing all of this with you, I just, I, did, I definitely had the sense of saying the Lord was offering me a grace through that prayer of impartation, through the, the cries to God that I had said, please, Lord, give me the grace to fast. And all of a sudden it came together and I didn't want to miss the moment. I did not want to miss the moment. And, and so uh, just be aware that God might be offering you the gift and the grace of fasting. And you don't want to miss the moment. Okay, next. Fasting takes determined effort. Now, that, that runs not counter to what I just said, that fasting is God's gift. But fasting takes determined effort. Like prayer. You look up that section in the Catechism on the Battle of Prayer, it says prayer is both a gift of grace and requires a determined effort a serious human effort. So is prayer, does it come from God as a gift, or is it the outcome of engaging with serious, determined human effort? The answer is yes, it's both, like fasting. And so pray for the gift, for the grace of fasting, but also be willing to make a determined effort. Be willing to make a determined effort. As Aquinas said, God does not deny grace to those who do what is in their power. God does not deny grace to those who do what is in their power. And so, you know what? You're not tempting God, but say, Lord, I desire to be more generous in my fasting. I desire to put a more determined, serious effort into fasting. Please, will you meet me there? Will you grant me the grace I need to fast well? Because once you make that decision to fast, get ready, you're going to be attacked. <laughs> you're going to undergo spiritual attacks to, to put doubts in your mind, to say that you're getting super spiritual, or, hey, don't get too extreme, you don't want to get hurt, and lots and lots of like flags thrown on the field to by myself, by my flesh, that is rebelling against the idea of any kind of rigorous fast. So trust that God will give you the grace, that now is the moment. But even if you're not exactly right or I'm not exactly right as it comes to you in this regard, you, you push forward and you say, Lord, I'm going to fast. Please, I beg you to give me the grace to do this because I don't want to just rely on my own human effort. I'll fail. And God does not deny grace to those who do what's in their power. Okay, last. This is the 15th. Fasting is a means of expressing surrender of making space. Fasting is a means of expressing entrustment and abandonment and resignation, not giving up, giving over. Resignation is that spiritual act, not of giving up, but of giving over. And so fasting is a means of expressing all of these things. Surrender, creating some space, making space, being and expressing entrustment and abandonment and giving over. Fasting 
is part and parcel of all of those spiritual attitudes, not, not equated with them, but often accompanying them. Because those mature spiritual attitudes that I just shared, surrender, making space, and entrustment, abandonment, resignation, those, those have to be grown into. Those are, are mature attitudes that we don't begin there. We begin at a, at a much more childish level. But that's okay. And the Lord will begin to do his work. And all of a sudden, we begin to find within ourselves the growth of surrender and making space of trustment and abandonment and resignation. These things start to come about. And so those are 15 different meanings of fasting. Uh, I have them on, a, on my, my little handy-dandy notebook. And I share with them now with you and the hopes and the prayer that you will uh, seriously consider engaging in some fasting. And so I'm going to pick up on the theme tomorrow, and I'll talk a bit about the fruits of fasting, the fruits, as well as the physiological, the spiritual, the relational insights I was able to get over the course of the, these 21 days. And so I want to finish this program by praying with you and for you, for the gift of fasting. So let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. And, and Father, we ask that today you would hear the heart's cry of, of me and, and all of those who are saying yes and amen. Whatever time, wherever they are, Lord, in hearing my voice, I just pray for us, each of us and all of us. Please, Jesus, we want to join you in a fast. We want to please you with a fast. We want to express all of these goods that we just have been reflecting on. We want those to be real in our lives, Lord. But Lord, we don't know where to begin. We don't know how to proceed. We know that we'll fail. Lord, we know it. Even just thinking about it and pondering it, Lord, is going to lead to spiritual attacks that say, you got to go after comfort food. you got to go after more comfort food. You have to go after more comfort food. And Lord, we don't want that. We want you. And we want to be useful to you. We want to grow in holiness, Lord. We want to radiate your presence wherever we go, and we want to see you move in power through our lives. But Lord, without you, we are nothing, and we can't do it. And so, Lord, please expect, ex please accept the fast, the rigorous, generous fast of one of your humble servants and your dedicated sons. Lord, we don't know how to proceed without you. So please give us grace. In Jesus' holy name, amen. And with the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, I hope and pray that this was a blessing. Join me tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm going to go into part two, and I want to share with you more insights into fasting. I hope and pray that this was a blessing. And join me tomorrow for more sound insight.